The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time, we'd encourage you to fill out a connection card. Let us know who you are and we'll begin praying for you. We're glad that uh, you guys came to church, all of you, on Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday and the closing round of the Masters. All right, let me tell you what. (laughs) I love the closing round of the Masters. Now, this goes back to uh, when I was back in Oklahoma and I had my church there before I moved up here. Um, I was doing like three services every Sunday. And so... uh, Long about like two o'clock, you know, I love preaching the three services. You work hard on a sermon. It's, it's nice to get to use it three times, you know. And so uh, I, uh, but, but about two o'clock, man, just boom, I just crash. And uh, I like to turn the masters on and lay on the couch and like just sit there. And it's like <laughs> those guys are whispering so they won't wake me up. And I just, and every once in a while I'll wake up and I'll see a golf shot and then I'll just go back to sleep. You guys should try it today. It's an enjoyable experience. I'm going to get me some of that a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, But thank the Lord for the masters that comes around once a year for a great nap, right, on Sunday afternoon. So today um, we're going to talk about our final uh, sermon in this series, The Good Stuff. We've been learning about the good stuff, a lot of different things the Bible teaches us about the good stuff. It's it's interesting when we we see a, a young person grow up, maybe a young man, a, a, a boy or a girl, whatever, we say, man, man that, that kid, he's really got a good head on his shoulders. And you don't want him to say the opposite. You want him to, to say, man, that kid's really sharp, got a good head on his shoulders. And, and that's a very important thing um, because we think of that person as they're going to go somewhere in life. And when it comes to our relationship with God, your mind is important to God. I mean, I think the Lord wants to look down and go, man, that kid right there, he's got a good head on his shoulders. She has got a good head on her shoulders. She is going somewhere in my kingdom. I think we can look at the Lord and see that he wants to look down upon us and see us that way. You see, Jesus was asked one time by some religious guys who were trying to set him up, what is, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest thing that we are commanded to do, Jesus? And so of all of this history that they have been growing up in as the Jewish people, they're facing, they're asking Jesus this question. They want to know what he thinks is the most important um, commandment. So he gives them what we know as the great commandment, and it's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So he says, you've got to love God with everything in you, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So God wants us to love him with all of our minds, all of our hearts, everything in us, all that he has made us to be. And, and when we think about our minds, they are a processing center of thoughts. We're dealing with millions of thoughts a day. This is why anxiety is such a problem in in our world, is we're just bombarded with information, and sometimes it can just feel like things are just spiraling out of control, and we can get caught up on thinking about something that feels like it's out of our control, and before long, we're, we're feeling the physical symptoms of what is brought on by anxiety. And, and so your mind is a powerful thing. It is an extremely 
Um, it has an extreme ability to be able to process very efficiently lots of thoughts. And so God is saying to us, by loving him with all of our minds, he's saying, listen, if, if you can capture your thoughts, if I can capture your thoughts, then you can control your life and live for me and my kingdom. And we know this is true because, um, like, we just think about all the ways we're bombarded with information. And we'll pull away from the church today, and there will be signs all around the corner um, advertising different businesses. Uh, we turn on the radio, and, and there's music, and then there's commercials. And then we get out our, our phones, and on our phones we have, you know, all this social media. And then over, like, all of a sudden we search for a pair of tennis shoes on Google, and I'm on my social media food, feed, and then all of a sudden, like, there's those tennis shoes. And, and so Google knows this. Control these people's minds, you can control their wallet. Control their minds, control their behavior. Get them to buy things. And so there's a marketing strategy just to keep things in front of us all the time because the more we think about things, the more apt we are to do something. And so God tells us in the Word to love Him with all of our minds because as we capture our thoughts, we're able to control the lives that we're living. Now, how do we capture our thoughts? Well, it's important that we develop a spiritual mindset because we live in this world where all of these things are competing for our attention, trying to get us to think about certain things, and we need to be intentional about developing a spiritual mindset because it is incredibly important to God. Now, I want to share a bunch of scripture with you today. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. You follow along in version. And some of the, all of the scriptures referenced in the, um, in the bulletin, and it's also going to be on, on the screen behind me. But in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, we learn a lot of truth about God from this prophet. And Jeremiah tells us, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. So God looks into our hearts and he rewards us based on what our mind is getting our body to do. Now, again, just look at it. He says, I search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Now, it's important to say, like, this is not work salvation. You can't do anything to get right with God other than believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as a perfect sacrifice for your sins. But once you enter into that relationship, the Bible certainly teaches us that when, our, when we walk in a certain way, our conduct puts us in a place where God can pour forth his blessing upon us. He can fill us with his spirit. He can do things in our lives. And so God looks at our minds and he examines our minds. He searches our hearts and he rewards each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And so based upon what our minds are able to get our bodies to do, God is going to reward us in this world as we're walking through life. And so your thoughts will always determine your behavior, and so God is looking at our minds, and that's important for us to understand. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28, we learn from the Apostle Paul an important piece of, uh, about the theology of the mind. Now, we, we believe in the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? It means God is sovereign over everything. He knows everything that's going to happen before it's happened. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He, he's, he's all powerful. Like he has, he's just, he's God. He's in control. But we also learn from the scriptures that he has created humanity with free will. 
And so we have a freedom of will as to whether or not we will harmonize with this sovereign God and live according to the plan that he has for our lives, or we will rebel against his plan for our lives and we'll make our own way and do our own thing. That's what following Jesus is all about, is taking my free will, surrendering it to God, bringing it under the control of the Holy Spirit, dying to myself on a daily basis, and being led of the Spirit each day and and through each decision that I travel through. And so as we look in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, we see if we stand against that, like if God is trying to speak to us and, and, and he's trying to get us to develop a spiritual mindset, and we stand against the truth of God, it is a dangerous place to be. And so Paul tells us in Romans 1.28, talking about a group of people and talking about the way they thought. And he says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are, are not proper. And so God will like in the midst of that free will and the sovereignty of God, If people do not, if we do not acknowledge God, if we do not acknowledge the truth of God, then God will give us over to that very thing that we want, which ends up being a depraved mind. What is depraved about it? It is rejecting the very creator of the universe. And the more we stand against that and the more we reject that truth, the more depraved our thinking becomes. This is how we explain evil in the world. And we look around and we see people engaging in evil acts and we ask ourselves, how can that happen? It happens as, as a result of a depraved mind. People standing against the truth of God, consistently rebelling and getting caught into a cycle where they're lead, led further and further away from truth until they're just functioning in a completely evil way. And so it's very dangerous for us to be thoughtless about God. It's very wise for us to be intentional about developing a spiritual mindset. It's, it's good for us to intentionally develop that. Now, the question is, how do you do that? Like, like if it is dangerous to, to, to not acknowledge God, and all of these things are competing for my attention, and you have a mindset, how can you be intentional and make sure that your mindset is a good, healthy, spiritual mindset. Because you want to have a good mindset. Because when you have a good mindset, good stuff will happen in your life. Because God is examining your mind, and he is rewarding you based upon what your mind is getting your body to do, the deeds that you're accomplishing on a daily basis. And so if you want to accomplish things that are not all about you, you're going to have to have a spiritual mindset. Because if you don't have a spiritual mindset, your life's going to be all about yourself. And that's why Jesus said, take up your cross when? Every day. And do what? Die to yourself and follow me. So we look at this and we go, okay, wh- wh- what do we need to do? Well, first off, our job, my job to develop a spiritual mindset is to prop up my mind. It is in- incredibly important for me to prop my mind up. Because there's all kinds of things competing for the mindset that I'm going to have. Like we are, we are bombarded with marketing, like from every angle, from, from things that aren't inherently bad, they just keep us busy, to things that are extremely bad, to things that, like, like there are, if you can't see that an evil force is working out there against humanity, like men, Men are subject, um, we're, 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 we're very visual creatures, 
and we're constantly bombarded with things to tempt us to go further into pornography. Why? How does that happen? Well, we, we watch a video online to maybe learn how to do something, fix something in our backyard, and the next video that pops up, boom, is, is something that would tempt us to go a little bit further. And so if we don't have a spiritual mindset, we'll find ourselves traveling down a road that leads us into a place of depravity to where we're moving away from the creator of the universe and we're feeding ourselves, we're feeding our flesh, and we find ourselves experiencing death in a lot of things that God himself wants us to experience life in. So it is important for us to prop up our mind because the world is trying to prop it up with a lot of bad stuff. And so Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says this, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Now, this word perfect comes uh, from the word shalom, and it means completeness. And so, so through the prophet Isaiah, we're learning that when we support our minds with the truth of God, we're becoming complete people. So often you will, you will hear uh, uh, pastors, I hope that if you've been in, in another church, you've heard a pastor say, you need to be in the word. Now, why is that? Is it, are, 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 am I constantly challenging you to be in the Word in order to, to, to please God? And you say, well, I read my Bible like good, good followers of Jesus do. No, you need to be in the Word to prop up your mind because there's so much competition out there that's trying to prop, prop up your mind with stuff that will be harmful for you. And so you prop up your mind with the truth of God. And when you do that, you become a complete person. And, and the implication from this, this, this passage of Scripture is we have to be careful not to prop up our minds with junk. And so we, we look to Jesus, and he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, he's the finisher of our faith. And we look to him um, on this Palm Sunday as, he, as we think toward moving toward the Easter uh, celebration of the resurrection. And there's a, this incredible story about Jesus uh, going into this particular town, and there's a guy there that is out of his mind, literally. Like, he is, his mind is so depraved, and he is so far away from God that he is actually, the Bible describes him as being controlled by demons. He's a demoniac. It's a very dark time. And so this guy is the kind of guy, like, um, he's, he's, he's messed up, man. Like, he's running around in the graveyard naked, scaring people. Like, that's jacked up right there. Like, I never met anybody like that. I've met some messed up people. But could you imagine, like, they, they tried to tie the guy up with chains, and he could break free from them. And he was just like, man, he was just out of his mind. And so Jesus shows up one day on uh, the beach, and this guy comes down, and he attempts to frighten Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, like, the demons are cast out of this guy. And the demons begin interacting with Jesus because they recognize him as God of the flesh. They say, please don't let this be our time of judgment. You know, don't send us to the abyss. And, and, and they go into these pigs. And so the demons come out of the guy and they go into the pigs. And the pigs all run off and boom, they crater to their death. And, and then we find that the, the farmers of the pigs go into town and say, man, you're not going to believe what happened. I don't know what they called the dude that ran around the graveyard naked, but whatever, he had a name. Maybe they say, Joe, like, like this dude showed up and he did a work in Joe's life and all our pigs are dead, you know? And so the town comes out and they find 
this guy sitting at the feet of Christ, and the Bible says the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And so he, his mind had completely shifted because he had encountered such a pure, powerful presence of truth. Who was Jesus? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And when it had entered into the world of darkness, you see Jesus comes as light, and boom, it pierces this man's soul. He encounters this truth, and his entire disposition is changed, his mind is fixed, and now we find him in the right mind. So we learn from that in this context of the teaching that I'm trying to um, uh, talk about today is that Christ will help us prop up our minds. He's in the business of helping us develop a spiritual mindset that is healthy, but he expects us to prop up our minds intentionally and not just think that just because we believe in Jesus that all of a sudden our minds are going to be propped up with truth. The, the Bible teaches us that even the demons in hell believe in Jesus. Like the, even in this passage of scripture from Luke that I shared, um, the guy, the demons, they acknowledge that he was the son of God. And so the, it, just believing in Jesus and, and saying that I have received Christ is not enough to prop up our minds. It is enough to put us in a place where God can do an incredible work in our lives, but it is the beginning of our spiritual journey. And as we go through life, we're to prop up our minds with truth. Listen to what the a book of Colossians says in chapter three, verse two. Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Like you, you gotta think about things above. above. What does he mean there? Does he mean like, well, we need to think about the sky, we're going to think about things above us? It, it means to think about the spiritual realm more than you do the physical realm. And that's how you get your body to act in the physical realm with the spiritual mindset, is developing the ability to set your mind on the things that you cannot see. This is why the Bible teaches us we walk by faith, not by sight. And, and so we walk through this life and we're consistently trying to fix our minds on the things that we cannot see. And we do that by propping our mind up with truth. So we develop a mindset by setting it on things above, like spiritual things. Now there's some practices and some disciplines that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit more here in a moment. But one big piece of it is like, how much am I intentionally trying to think about spiritual things. It's like you come to church and uh, like it's even hard here. And some of you are thinking about what you need to do after church right now. Some of you are thinking, I sure am hungry, aren't you? And so we think about all these things and so we, if we're not intentional, then we won't think about spiritual things because there's so much else to think about stuff we want to do. And, uh, you know, here's the irony of it, is, it's, is most of the time that we think about this other stuff, it's about pleasing our flesh instead of the Father. But when we start thinking about pleasing the Father, guess who in turn gets pleased? The flesh. 
And so, because why? Because God made the flesh. God did not create us to, not, to, to, to live in a miserable existence. He wants to do a work in our lives and, 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 and move in us in such an incredible way that we're able to accomplish incredible things for him. And so my job as a follower of Jesus is to prop up my mind. And once I do my part, the Spirit's job, I love this, is to put plans in my mind. Like the, the role of the Holy Spirit, we learned in, in the last um, uh, sermon about the Holy Spirit, we learned a lot of things he does. He, he anoints us, he chooses us, he fills us with truth. He does all of these things. But one of the things that the Spirit does is he puts plans in my mind. Now, so David was the first king. And what do we know about David? If you say, well, what's one really thing, like first thing that comes to mind, some might say David, David slew Goliath. But one of the things that very quickly, if you, if you know very much about King David, is that he was a man after God's own heart. Interpretation, he was a man with a spiritual mindset. He was filled with truth. He had propped up his mind with the truth of God, so much so that God was using him to leave a, tr a trail of truth behind for us, which he is the writer of most of the Psalms. An incredible worshiper, incredibly gifted person, and God used him by leaving this truth behind for us. And so God, he wanted to build a temple for God. Like he was, he assumed like he, to this, this role of leadership and it was tough in the beginning, but he finally assumed this place of, of, of wealth for the kingdom of Israel. And, and so he wanted to honor God by building God a temple, but God told him, you can't build my temple because you have been used to shed too much blood. Like he was a warrior that God used to establish the nation of Israel. And so he's, but God did allow him to collect all of the money and, and a lot of the supplies, and God gave him the plan for the temple. And so he passes it on to his son Solomon, and we look in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 12, and it, it says that he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for the dedicated things. And so God put in the mind of David the plans for the uh, detailed plans for the temple. And the Spirit puts plans in our mind. Now, here's what I think is fascinating about this is that as we think in terms of God putting in the plans for the temple for David, and then David passing them on to Solomon, the temple represented. God's presence on the planet. In the Old Testament, God resided in the Ark of the Covenant. And so there was all of this intricate detail and incredible decoration filled with gold, filled with incredible symbology, just, just, and just tons of significance that went into the, the making of the temple and the things of the temple. And so, so God puts the plans in David's heart and, and it is to be a representation, the temple of God on the planet. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, what does Paul teach us? Do you not realize that you are not your own? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we take the Old Testament truth that happened with David and God puts the plans for the temple inside of David's mind because he had propped up his mind with truth and he had a spiritual mindset, the Spirit gave him the plans for the temple. And when we prop our minds up with truth, the Spirit will give us the plans God has for our lives. 
Like he, there are intricate things that God wants to do in your life that he, he, he has it detailed down that he knows. Does, does God know what he wants to do in your life? Yes, he is sovereign. Do you know? No, you do not know because you are not sovereign. But if you have met Christ, you belong to the sovereign God. And as you surrender your mind to Christ and you prop it up with truth, the spirit of God will put the plans that he already has for your life inside of your mind so that you can begin to fulfill exactly what he has designed you to fulfill. It is imperative for us to connect with the Spirit of God and to prop up our minds with the truth of God because the Spirit is the one who gives us the plans that God wants us to accomplish this week. Like, the, the, what, it, what does God want you to do this week? Like, how are you supposed to figure that out? You got to prop up your mind with truth. You do this by um, what we would call abiding with Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And so fruit will be produced in your life when you learn the rhythm of sitting with the Lord. Like just sitting with the Lord and hearing from him, connecting with the spirit, finding a time where you can be quiet and that where instead of Google running ad words across your heart, God does. Like, like that's really what we're dealing with. It's not about trying to be a good Christian and developing a discipline so that, that you could say, well, I read my Bible every day. No, it's, it's about God beginning to move in your life and helping you prop up your mind with truth so that the Spirit of God can put plans in your life. And so on a daily basis, I sit with the Lord. I want to hear from him. I sit in his word. I want to hear from the truth of his word. And as I listen to that truth and it comes into my mind, then there are things that God speaks to me from his word. And I end up usually writing them down and thinking about them for an extended period of time. And I, I'm, I'm trying to see what this verse that really God spoke to me, what is he trying to say to me? Now, that's not in preparation for preaching for you guys. Like, that's a totally different thing that I do when I prepare to preach. Now, a lot of times, the things that I live out, they will eventually work themselves into sermons, but, but those are two different things. I study and prepare for sermons, and, and that's a different experience than my abide time and sitting with the Lord and talking to him and propping my mind up with truth so that the Spirit can put the plans in my mind that he has for my life. And when I do that, it begins to get incredibly encouraging. When I sit with the scripture, the truth of God's word, when I sit and I, I study and I, 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 I meditate and I pray and I, I, sometimes I fast, sometimes I just listen. Like sometimes I just sit down in a chair and don't do anything but try to be quiet and listen. Man, that's a hard one. That's harder than praying for me. It's like you just sit down and shut up. I got ADD, man. I get all fidgety and and to sit down and let God speak to us, to be quiet, let him say something to us because he wants to speak to us. And so, now, so we look at this, my job is to prop up my mind. The Spirit's job is to put plans in my mind. God's job is to provide me the power to pull off the plans. This is why it's so important to have a spiritual mindset is because if God puts plans in my mind, then it's his job to give me the power to pull off the plans. What is in your mind has a huge impact on what God does in your life. Solomon, who is the, the son of David, who was going to be used to build the temple that God gave the plans for his father, to his father, and then they're passed down to him. When he assumes his um, rightful place as king, 
God visits him. And, and so we're, we're living in a time where the Holy Spirit doesn't invade everyone like he does now. We don't have the indwelling of the Spirit. And so the Spirit of God would come and he would visit with people. He would speak to people through prophets. But now we live in the priesthood of the believer where we're indwelt with our, the Spirit. But during Solomon's time, not so much. And so he gets a visit from God and God speaks to him and God asks him, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? And, and Solomon's reply was, God, I want you to give me wisdom to lead your people. Now, God responds to him in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11. And so God says to Solomon, because you had this in mind and did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. Do you see what's going on here? Like, he says, God, I want the wisdom to be able to love you and your people with everything in me. And so he, he, he did, and, and God is saying, you didn't ask for riches. What's riches for? Myself. You didn't ask for wealth and honor. What's that for? myself. You didn't ask for the life of those who hate you. What's that for? Revenge for myself. Nor have you asked for long life for myself, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule what? My God, my people over whom I have made you king. And wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And here's a bonus. I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed, nor those who will come after you. When God asked Solomon what he wanted, there was no hesitation. He had a spiritual mindset. He said, I want wisdom. I want knowledge to lead your people. He understood God's heart. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus replied, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the most important thing that you can do. And so because he understood God, heart and he wanted to love God and love people like um, he loved himself. God gave him the wisdom to pull it off and guess what else he got? Everything else. Does it remind you? It reminds me of Jesus saying, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. Like, like we get so upset and worried over how we're going to get this done. You know why you're so worried about it? It's because you keep seeking that instead of this. And the more we seek the stuff, the more it feels like Things are getting out of control, but the more we seek the Savior, the more control it feels we, like we have. Why? Because we're using wisdom to seek the heart of God, and God is using that time to prop up our minds with truth. The Spirit is putting plans into our mind, and then God is giving us the power to pull off the plans, and He's adding to our life. Why? Because we are productive, fruit-bearing Christians that He wants us to be. And if we're constantly trying to produce for ourselves, why does God put more water and fertilizer on that life? Because it's not producing for the kingdom. That's why he won't do it. But when he finds a person who's learned the secret of the soil, the good soil that can produce a hundredfold, it is a person who is focused on the kingdom of God. He surrenders his life to Christ. He props up his mind with truth. He does all that he can to listen to God and allow God to speak to him and give him the plans that he wants him to have. And then God gives him the power to pull it off. And as that happens, he's sowing in the good soil and God is producing fruit in his life. And all of the other stuff that we like to enjoy in life 
is added to us based upon how God wants to add it to us, not how we want to add it to us. And so our life takes on meaning. It takes on incredible significance. And so God um, gave Solomon the wisdom to pull off everything that he asked him to do. So my job is to prop up my mind. The Spirit's job is to put plans in my mind. God's job is to provide me the power to pull it off. And here's the big idea. (laughs) is that God can use you to do something new. Like, he uses people... Like, we, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that God, the, it, God does, the Holy Spirit does good stuff through us. <laughs> so, like, our church is not about um, you coming and just supporting me and Brent. Our church is about God unleashing the kingdom of heaven in your life and doing new stuff in you. And so that stuff that isn't happening currently in the kingdom begins to happen in the future because you are propping your mind up with truth. God is giving you the plans that he has for your life and he's providing the power for you to pull it off and all of a sudden new stuff starts happening in the kingdom. Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 verse and 19. Forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so God, like he wants to do something new in us. So here's what I would encourage you. If you go, man, if you're living in a place where you go, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I hate it that that happened. You got to let go of that and let God do a new thing. Prop your mind up with truth. Quit letting it be invaded by the enemy and making you have regrets about the past and look at today and go, I'm going to start propping my mind up with truth. Let God put uh, plans in my mind and give me the power to pull it off. And God's going to do a new thing in my life and use me for what? His kingdom. And so you let go of the regrets. You stay focused on the new thing that God is doing. And if you're tired of the same old, same old stuff, like if you're just kind of like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the way that life is, then I would encourage you to focus on something new today. Like focus on God doing a new thing in your life and God will break out his kingdom by using you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so I want to encourage you, church, today. Let's be a church where God is doing something new. Not not a new event at OPCC. You be the new event. And God will do new stuff at our church when God does new stuff in you. So a few years ago, I moved here. And there's hardly anybody coming to the church. It's dying. Okay, and so God started doing new stuff in the church because God was doing something new in me. God was doing something new in Brent. And the more that we repeat that for everybody, God starts doing new stuff in your life. Then, then, listen, I've, I've lived this journey. I've watched ministries come out of the ground because Christ began to do something new in a person's life. Now, what is the barrier that keeps that from happening? 
surrender. Like you got to surrender. You got to say, man, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay my life down. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my every bit of me. I'm going to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. And I'm going to begin to prop up my mind with truth. I'm going to begin to let the Spirit of God fill me with the plans he wants for me to accomplish. And I'm going to look for the power to pull it off. And then we're going to look back and we're going to go, man, remember that time? You remember that time when, when, when you, you felt like God was calling you to do this? And now look at how significant of an impact this is having on our city because you let God do something new. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.